Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Trek Chat, a podcast brought to you by Trek on the Tube. As usual, I am your host, Sean, and today I am joined by two very special guests, two uh, new guests. The first one is uh, the third Star Trek musketeer uh, in the uh, Nerdscape podcast, Linda, a.k.a. Hen in the Hat. How are you doing? Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Yes, I'm the three must the third the third musketeer, the third tresketeer, trekketeer, <laughs> trekketeer, tresketeer, <laughs> tresketeer. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the third trekkie. My uh, my, my second guest of honor is uh, the Commodore, Mustache Man, Dan Decker. He is not the third in anything, but he is the second <laughs> in uh, networking on Nimbus Three. He's also got his own podcast, uh, Bad Choices and Bourbon. Is it bad choices in bourbon or bourbon? It and is bad choices? bad choices in bourbon. It's bad choices it. in bourbon. Here you go. I yeah. got it right because I got it wrong. That's it. That's right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and thank you so much for joining me. Oh, Sean, man, thanks for having me. And it's also uh, great fun to be here uh, with Linda, who for ages I thought her Twitter handle was Helen Art One. Uh, instead of him in a hat so uh, just because I don't know that's the way I read it and that's still kind of how I see it sometimes these days could be worse I don't mind could be worse yeah, yeah. and for some reason that always reminded me of a chicken I don't know uh, who knows where my brain goes these days <laughs> Well, hen in the hat is chicken. Hen in the know, hat. So my brain was putting adjacent. it all yes. together. Yeah, yeah. No. See. Yeah. I, I was. I was on the right track. <laughs> it's fine. It all works. Um, today is a bit of a special episode of Trick Chat because we usually take like a, a grand theme or a general topic and then kind of dive into that. But today we are talking more specifically about not an aspect of Star Trek, but one film, Star Trek Nemesis. That's it. Mm. That's the movie. Um, mm -hmm. To add a bit of context to that. I grew up uh, watching Voyager and, and TNG. That's what I grew up watching. And I grew up watching the TNG movies. I had, not that I had no clue the original series movies, but it, they never kind of crossed my path. So for me, the movies were the TNG movies, and I used to love, as a kid, Nemesis. I just, I just thought it was amazing. Um, and then as I grew up, and this is without any influence from the outside fandom, of which I, I did not know existed, um... I, I kind of grew up and I suppose learnt more about films or started to appreciate films better. And then I suppose Nemesis got devalued a bit. I started, you know, finding little errors. But that love, although it is not as strong, still stays with me to this day. I still very much enjoy Nemesis. Um, and so when I was confronted with the fandom, or rather the opinion that the fandom, generally speaking, has of Nemesis, I was very confused. I was like, wait a minute, why do so many people dislike this movie so much that like a lot of some people loathe it right i'm like what what's going on yeah yep, yep. Same, so same when way, i find people way. to talk positives about it i'm so happy <laughs> and that's what we're gonna do today we're gonna talk about it well we, yeah I, I suppose we can critique some things if there's really something that bugs us but yeah the idea is to throw flowers at nemesis <laughs> there you well, go that's uh, it i can say uh sean that you know that that childhood nostalgia and then kind of the reevaluation of, of its merit as you get older. Um, but you can never overcome, you know, you can never overcome that original love. What for me would be relative to the wrath of Khan. I was uh, seven years old when I saw that in the theater uh, in 82. And um, just, uh, uh, just that being what that moment was, you know, uh, but as I've gotten older um, it's, 
not in my top five <laughs> Star Trek films anymore. Um, and yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a great, either. So yeah, it's great. It's a great movie still, and I will have that nostalgic love for it for the rest of my life. But as you said, you know, um, the awe and wonder uh, that it struck as a kid, uh, kind of, um, you know, once you get a critical eye to it, you're kind of like, well, you know, yeah, no, but it's still mine. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was this, I was the kind of the up the opposite of you, Sean. Um, I did not, yeah, like TNG was my growing up Star Trek as well. So I was completely in love with all the characters and I did not fully enjoy Nemesis, probably mainly because of Data. Um, I just thought they did not need to kill off beloved Data. My, my sister actually has never gone back to that movie after what they did to him. She was traumatized. Oh, so wow. She, yeah. So um, she was like, no, no, that movie does not exist. <laughs> so um, I didn't like it. But the last couple of views of it, I have started to pick out things that I absolutely love in it. So now I can kind of watch it as a film and kind of get over what I first got from it because I'm looking at all these really really cool things for example my absolute favorite enterprise is just showcased so beautifully in this in this film the shots are so spectacular um and I yeah just things like that I'm just picking out things I love and there is a lot of hate for this movie I don't fully understand the hate um We'd have to, yeah, we'd have to get into that. But I, I don't not want, to, I don't want to overanalyze it. But this was pre, like this was pre the Kurtzman era of Star Trek, and right. this was pre mm-hmm. the J.J. Abrams era. And I think there was there was already kind of that that little, I suppose, spark of of a group of people that wanted to find something to hate. I think maybe, and so mm-hmm. maybe that's why like Nemesis was a good thing. The whole date of death maybe pushed them over the edge. I don't know. Yeah, and so in, instead of just taking it and being like, "Oh, I didn't appreciate this movie," it became kind of like a we have to, um, we have to hate on this. Because what you were saying mm. about your sister's like kind of you, you say it jokingly. She says, "Oh, this movie doesn't exist." Mm. The first time I've actually heard people say like, "Oh, this doesn't count as canon," um, wasn't for like discovery or anything. It was for Nemesis. Like people would oh, say, wow. for, "Oh, like, yeah, Nemesis doesn't count." I'm like, "Oh, yeah, well, sorry to say, it kind of does." But, um, well, because it they very say it much does. does now. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, so shocking. Sure it was just a shocking thing to happen to one of our favorite characters, and it's not like he came back in the next movie. <laughs> they so didn't give him a chance, though, isn't it? Is I love it so much. Well, and it's I shocking it's so start to finish. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it's it kicks off with a literal bang, uh, and then um, you know uh, I'm with you, uh, Linda. I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, while, you know, in the spirit of the character, ultimately in the spirit of the character, uh, before kind of cheap into data sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad that we didn't pick that up and, and run with it, uh, later on down the line. They kind of were like, they literally fridged him, uh, <laughs> and, uh, um, maybe rightfully so. And we get to see, we get to see a better, they uh, him technically they put him in a drawer, right? They drawed him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we get to see a better denouement for, for data than what we got in nemesis. But to Linda's point, um, the E looks fantastic. Um, and even critics kind of give over to the battle choreography that we got at the end. Um, that's one of the more well-executed space battles in Trek and in general. Um, and that kind of, you know, that, that touches back to one of the problems I had early on with, 
like insurrection um, was how poorly uh, those effects hold up now. Um, and I didn't like that. I didn't like that movie a lot. I've come to enjoy it more. Uh, and I think that's one of the things like this, you know, as you grow, as you learn, um, and as you see it more and become more familiar with it, you find the things that you do like about it. Um, but I've always enjoyed Nemesis. <clears throat> a lot of it because, one, it brings Ron Perlman into the Star Trek family, and that's never mm -hmm. a bad thing. And two, um, it gives us uh, uh, Tom Brady. Uh, not Tom Brady, Jesus. Tom Hardy. Uh, Tom Hardy. So he'll take that out. Um, Tom Brady needs to stay away from Star Trek. Uh, Tom Hardy in a very slender uh, frame that is not what he looks a lot like these days. Uh, but I really enjoyed the character of Shinzon. So yeah. um, those two things alone kind of added a depth um, to Trek that we hadn't had to that point. And I really appreciated that. And we get to see some Remans. Yes. Mm. I love the Remans, actually. That's a big thing. In my, in my recent rewatch of the original series, I actually noticed that the first time the Romulans appear, they, they mention Remus. They mention yeah. uh, Romulus has a sister planet, Remus. I was like, oh my god, the Remans have been basically established canon, or at least mm -hmm. the planet has been, since back in the original series, since the 60s. Yep. It's like it took this long to explore them. Mm -hmm. And then, it like just the lore and the world building around the Remans is one of my favorite things ever like i just i just love it so i'm kind of depressed now that they're all they probably all did the romulus super oh they wouldn't have evacuated any remans i doubt uh, yeah uh, i don't think they would have evacuated remans and i don't think a lot of them escaped generally speaking during their lifetimes but yeah it, it i just i love the the whole mining thing not that i want people to work in mines but i like the idea <laughs> of uh, of like the romulans and how they just took control of this planet and this sister planet and just enslaved everyone it's yeah. I don't know, I thought it was great world building. <laughs> well, and too, you know, it gives over um, to some of the criticism that's come forward, like in Picard, is the variety in the Romulans that we see. One, uh, that's not new, y'all. Uh, there's been variety in the structure of Romulan and Vulcans, too, uh, in their facial structure for the run of the show. But... Um, it gives, you know, it, it showed an aspect of, you know, hey, if you put a subclass of folks in a dim, dark place for a long enough time, they become uh, almost something else. Um, and, you know, that this, they showed us then that far back, there's a diversity in these cultures that you haven't been exposed to yet. Um, you know, and they played into it a little bit uh, in um, uh, Enterprise, too. Yeah. I, can, can I just put my cosplay hat on for a second and just say what? incredible costumes the Remans had that Shin Shinzon's lovely petrol rainbow effect uh, plasticky thing with the shoulder point oh it's amazing I don't think I will ever achieve that costume because I, <laughs> I have no idea what to use but it just looked it looked amazing it's so elaborate it is yeah one of my favorites well, it's kind of on the order of Hela's costume from Ragnarok oh uh, yeah true got that same yeah. vibe going you yeah. know yeah it's it's very villainous yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was I was like because I um f well yeah this isn't gonna work timeline wise but yesterday as of when we're recording this now I did a live stream of me watching the movie um, and I just rewatched the movie and I kept on commenting on these costumes because like and I wonder how they get in them like mm -hmm. the actual physical Remans, like how the, how the hell are they getting this thing? But it's, <laughs> ah, ah, they look so cool. Yes. They really do. And I yeah. even like the, the Remans are the, they're the ugliest looking motherfuckers. Mm. Yeah, they um, ain't pretty. But 
I, I love them. They're like space orcs. Um, yeah. I don't know. I like the design. And a very uh, Nosferatu vibe. Almost, yeah. Yes, yeah, totally. Well, that's what Ron Perlman brings to it, doesn't he? Mm-hmm, yeah. Because mm-hmm. he brings he brings a certain he brings like um, I don't know. He's got a lot of gravitas in that mm-hmm. character when he starts doing like the the mental kind of violations, all of that. He brings a lot of a lot of presence to it. Oh, well, that's you know that's Ron, Por- Ron Perlman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's what, a Zealander. It's all in the eyes. He's a very good eye actor, which you, you really have to be yes. when you're wearing all that makeup on your face. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was no, you know, he he was no stranger. Oh, well, I don't know the timeline, but he mm. uh, he becomes no stranger to heavy makeup. While having done Beauty and the Beast back mm. in the uh, '80s and '90s, um, you know, he was he emoted mm. very well through the makeup technology of that time, uh, and then he brings that with him, you know, through mm. to Hellboy, um, mm-hmm. and then into this as well, uh, which. Um, uh, you know that is, uh, and and to his uh, fellow Trek alumni and former cast member Doug Jones, um, who can act and emote extremely well through makeup. Uh, yeah. You know, having he played, they they played together in Hellboy, uh, but uh, yeah, he he really that's that under that makeup, especially uh, in the technology at the time, um, you have to sell it in the in the eyes. Totally, Tom, not Tom Brady. Tom Hardy. Hardy. Tom Hardy. Uh, Tom, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy is just amazing in this movie. Like I'm not the biggest Tom Hardy f- uh, fan nowadays, and mainly not not so much because of him, but but because of the movies that he's in. But I think that he just kills it in Nemesis. Yes. Really. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he's amazing. And they they did have to put uh, prosthetics on his face and to try and make him look a bit like Stuart. And then they had the backstory of he was getting beaten up by the you know the the guards or whatever and that's why he's, he doesn't totally look like you know young picard from tng but um <laughs> he, he did a he did a yeah he did a you great know, job let, let, let me take that for just a second Linda, and <laughs> let's talk about how sometimes they they want us to they make too many excuses they don't give us as the audience enough credit I was talking to, I can't remember who now, but let me, you know, let me fill in some of the details with my own, um, you know, oh, it was, it was just, you know, this previous recording I was on today. Uh, and it's like when, you know, in Solo, uh, the Star Wars story, um, we don't need to know why his last name is Solo. <laughs> okay. We don't need to, we don't need to know <laughs> that there was a reason he was called that you don't have to you don't have to retcon why a completely other actor sell it to me with the story not the prosthetics you know um you know that's Mm -hmm. that's one of the beauties of the some of the limitations of the original series compared to what we can do now is that they had to tell you the story because the 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 makeup wasn't doing it um Mm. and and so it was in the acting it was in the story and give us some credit man you know there are i mean obviously people are going to uh, bitch and moan about this movie whether or not you try to give us a believable backstory as to why Shinzon doesn't look like Picard I mean I'm I'll, I'll go on that journey with you if you take me yeah exactly right like Shinzon doesn't look like I mean they, they even explain like he was aged up 30 years and what was it four or five years or whatever he had like yeah. an accelerated growth and you can't believe that he doesn't look exactly the same yet his lips are a bit more you know pouty <laughs> but yeah, that's right, pulpous. But hey, what, whatever, right? It, it's not the same actor. They didn't de-age Sir Patrick Stewart, right? Yeah, we're, we're not God. stupid. We're not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah, uh, like to be honest, if if they could remake Nemesis entirely today and like do a de-aging of like I I would I would rather have 
what we had with um, oh, another yeah, actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, yeah absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, Patrick Stewart could not play the bad guy opposite his good guy. That would just be a <laughs> Patrick Stewart fest. Which no, and that, some people would love that distorted love mirror that, but, image. Yeah. You need a right? bad guy. <laughs> that's the that's the closest we have to a to a yeah. mirror Picard is in Shinzen. Yeah. and mm. you know you don't want your good guy to be that bad guy. You know it gives it it gives it it gave him kind of a um, a slithery you know sinister mm-hmm. uh, 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 effect that you know wouldn't be the same had they used other other technology or yeah. uh, tried too hard to make it look that way. And that's one of the things that I love um, about the updated aesthetics in Discovery is that they give the audience credit for filling in the blanks or the accepting it or don't. Uh, but they're like, um, yeah, no, these are Klingons now and these probably have always been Klingons. So mm-hmm. we don't have to tell you why they look the way they look because we all know that the the practical reasons make sense you know you got to update the makeup to look good in 4k but behind the scenes oh are they (laughs) well you know well and and fan pressure will do that and if we can have a reasonable way to make that story play out you know we that that is essentially the third kind of klingon uh which you know in the timeline they should have all still had smooth foreheads uh but whatever the Glo- point glory is be the day where i see all of the different klingons on the screen together i, I, just, I, I know right a, i don't even need a line to explain why just put them all yeah. together just do it. that so sounds like room. that sounds like a lower decks episode <laughs> that would it be does hilarious. it does like Boimler's all confused because there's uh, three <laughs> like seven types of klingons in front of him he doesn't know like, they're all klingons yes but isn't that mike mcmahon are you listening <laughs> we have ideas and, and also we oh do we have ideas Star Trek please contact that's us it, that's the episode us. cling on or cling off oh so, bro right oh right yeah. ridges or not <laughs> oh my god we could go to so many dark places oh, with yeah. that yeah. Um, but the point being like you said just man give me some credit <laughs> let me let me let me fill in some of the holes um, I'm willing to accept I would rather Go back to um, an earlier trek and repaint that scene with what I with the updated aesthetic in my mind. Then try to shove a modern show into an outdated aesthetic. So yeah, but, you know, you don't have to over you don't have to over bake it there, Star Trek. Uh, something that was completely new in in Nemesis though was all of the Romulan aesthetics when it comes to like Romulus. The city, mm-hmm. the the Senate, and all of that, because um, mm-hmm. we we had explored some of the Romulan ships in TNG, and the Dederadex class is probably my favorite Star Trek ship. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the most beautiful thing, and it just blows my mind how big it is. Like you could almost mm-hmm. fit an Enterprise D inside it, mm-hmm. um, or inside the hole. Um, and yeah, so just like this this Romulus city, the Senate, everything looks so good. And as you were saying, Linda, mm. the scimitar is just the most beautiful <gasps> thing ever. It's so cool. And story-wise, it makes sense because it's yeah. like it's it's she's a predator, right? Yeah. She's a warship, so yeah. Yes. And two, uh, you know, you see you see a call forward to the Narada from from the Mm. uh, scimitar yeah a little bit that uh, design aesthetic (laughs) um and the new the the new romeo ships are beautiful as well john eves of course sprinkled his magic and everything helps it too because the music in nemesis is one of the strongest things of the movie Mm. like i love the opening music i love the the score when like there's tension and they're waiting for um basically shinzon to reveal himself in space Mm. where they're waiting for the scimitar to appear 
I think the music is so strong. Now, I, I did pick that scene out in my mind when they're waiting for they're waiting for Shinzon to appear. And again, later on, when Diana is trying to find the coordinates um, and they play the same little tune and it's kind of like, bling, 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 bling. And I was like, well, this is a bit, um, this is a bit out of place. And I didn't like it. But then I kind of, my brain said, hold on a second, go and rewatch Balance of Terror. So I went and rewatched Balance of Terror and it's similar vibes. It is similar vibes. So I, I can see what they were doing with that music. Okay. Oh, they were making a couple of callbacks. Yeah. It seemed like they were like, look, we're doing Balance of Terror. But, you know, <laughs> especially, yeah, actually when Diana was trying to find those coordinates and she was going into the guy's head and they had that lighting where, you, you know, her eyes were all highlighted. And that's exactly. Well, they, give them, they give her the Kirk, the Kirk lighting, the, don't they? Yes, exactly. Well, the Kirk. Yeah, let's, Kirk eyes. Let's talk real quick about, about how progressive Romulan society is, too. Uh, you know, they have, uh, they had uh, uh, Commander, uh, was it Commander um, Julie Newmar uh, in charge? Yeah. Uh, oh, is it Sinatra? Um, oh yeah yeah uh wasn't she played by julie newmar um i think uh but uh you know in command of the vessel um and and obviously uh many uh progressive uh, positions of power in the romulan society um and so you know and and two so many of those aesthetics uh are you can see the through line from the aesthetics established in the original series they they grow those up real well yeah and the, the floor of the senate was a, a lovely map um and they had the neutral zone going through it's kind of like a yin yang kind of a symbol mm-hmm. which is the whole mirror theme of the the movie with the light and the dark oh, and the boom. romulus and the remus and yeah you know then you have this big yin yang in the middle of the floor um that's amazing but yeah that was the nice that was based on the the original series map as well which i like that i you see i watched it with the okuda commentary <laughs> so I have oh, all these little details yeah. fresh in my head. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, man, the Okudas. Yeah. Good stuff. Yes. Treasures in the franchise. <laughs> oh, royalty. Yeah, the, the, there's like a, a big mirrored theme going through mm. the whole movie. You know what? In my in my rewatch yesterday, because they have that font, Star Trek Nemesis, when like in the opening credits, mm-hmm. um, that for some reason they didn't use anywhere else. I love that font. Um, mm. And they have like the R, there's an upside down R in, um, I think it's Trek, you know, I think it's Star that has the upside down R, whatever. Mm. Um, and it was the first time I realized that, oh, it's not, well, I, I, I knew it was mirrored, but then I thought, oh, is one for Remus and one for Romulus? Ah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then as a, as the title, you know, pulls back, like when the second E flips around mm. to, yeah, it's, it's a really well done opening sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I used that those establishing shots uh, and, and that, that city aesthetic, the, the Romulan um, uh, community aesthetic uh, to help when, um, when I was listening to um, Last Best Hope, the Picard novel from Dr. Una McCormick was, uh, I used those aesthetics and, you know, to help me paint those pictures in my mind while I was listening to that story. Mm-hmm. So um, sold it really well uh, setting that up. Mm. Yes. And beautiful too. It's it very nice. Okay, so I have to talk about this because this scene gets a lot of shit. I just have to. Okay. Um, it's the scene on the planet. So there's there's two parts of it. The, the scene in the planet in the beginning. There's two parts to it. There's first we go around and we're looking for B4. But then, of course, there's the, the chase with the dune buggy. And I don't know. People don't seem to like fun Picard. 
I love it. Yeah, I love I it so much. I love the Argo. The Argo <laughs> flying out of the shuttle. I love that scene. It's yeah, it's it's it's, it's silly. absolutely ridiculous. Yes, totally. And I love it. <laughs> but you could tell you, you could tell it was Patrick Stewart going, I want to drive a very fast car around this planet. You know, and yeah. Okay. Okay, whatever you say, Sir Patrick. <laughs> yeah. Of Go course. for it. Knock yourself um, out. Now, I, you know, why are the other people there? What, why are they? Are, they're not looking for B4, uh, but they're just there to be, um, you know, some sort of pressure, some sort of ticking clock. Um, but there are there are the cadre of people who refuse to allow Star Trek to be fun, even though Star Trek has evidently always been fun mm. <laughs> and that's just what i mean come on it's the same it's it's a it's a dune buggy version of the shuttle chase from insurrection yeah. you know i mean have some fun <laughs> it is very well, fun yeah i mean i don't i don't see the thing like do we really need a dune buggy when we have shuttles like yes yes we have all sorts of we have all sorts of vehicles on earth not like some of them are redundant because we have other vehicles, but we still have them. If someone can build something, they're going to build it. And, you know, someone else is going to use it. So, yes, we have dune buggies in space. It's fine. And um, and the the villains, the, the bad guys that are on the planet, I don't know. Like, it's very easily explainable. Either Shinzon paid them, either he just placed B4 there so that... Because the objective is to get B4 on the ship as quickly as possible so that he can basically start spying or, you know, gathering information. So you don't want right. Picard and his team mm. to start asking too many questions and maybe leave before on the planet surface. So if you put it on a planet, plop it down where there's already villains or you know mm. that there's like these, I don't know, they're basically um, Star Wars people yeah. <laughs> that go around oh, right. <laughs> chasing you down in, in, in the desert. So yeah, if you know that there's people on that planet that's going to chase Picard, throw them down there. They'll take B4 back to the ship assuredly right it works for me yeah 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 well and and too you know um when it comes to uh having a dune buggy uh you know a dune buggy sequence um we we sent them to the moon we sent a dune buggy to the moon because it's fun to drive a dune buggy we figured out a way to shove it on a tiny little spaceship and we figured out one of the more important things we need to send to the moon is a dune buggy okay have some fun with space (laughs) y'all We literally did it in real time. Yeah. Also, I think I, I think it could have also been a, a, a case of you know putting a test screening in front of some suits and the suits going needs more action. <laughs> you know, how about a car chase? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Throw a car chase. That in looks there. like it was fun. Yeah. You know, I'd go on that ride. Yeah, same. I wouldn't want to be Worf though in the back banging his head off the roll cage. <laughs> Michael Dorn is a hero. Well, he's got the weapon though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was kind of odd, though, that they were shooting at the guys. Why They were just trying to, you know, if they were trying to drive fast or use science or something, but they were shooting at the, the guys chasing them. That wasn't very Star trek I don't know. It was kind of violent. Not very Picard. Yeah. He's a little dipo. He's a little diplomat. He's done by this time. He's already been yeah. through first contact. You know, he's got no more lines to be drawn. So yeah. it's like, screw these guys. This is my doom buggy. Yeah. Worf. He's, yeah. he's drawn his line. Cook him. <laughs> well, I got I got to admit that his his diplomacy skills in this film aren't the best because, like, he arrives at Romulus and he he basically starts negotiating with like whoever's in charge, and mm. it's it's a human that's got a bunch of Remans that are now in charge of uh, you know of of the Romulus uh, Senate or whatever it is. Like, he's the new Praetor, and it's like you're not asking a single question. You're not wondering why <laughs> it's not a Romulan. It's a human. With a bunch of Remans, like clearly maybe some sort of some sort of familiar human coup yeah. has happened. 
if you just start negotiating immediately, you would assume that I don't know. Go back, go back to your bosses. Tell them maybe, maybe it's a terrorist of some kind. But well, you know, uh, Picard is also the man who showed up, uh, you know, in conspiracy and just you know phaser blasted a high-ranking Starfleet admiral because maybe they're a parasite. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, they were. You know, so checking in, with, checking in with the admirals, not Picard's jam. No, no. with the mom. Well, she was a mumral. <laughs> Yeah, no, she wasn't having none of his garbage. I love that the uh, community has has uh, has photoshopped in uh, Janeway over that image. <laughs> oh, really? I haven't seen that. Oh, it's beautiful. It's hard to believe it's not actually her. Uh, but it's uh, I, you know, uh, not to get off on that 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 moment did not bother me. <laughs> well, it's a perfect it's it's a perfect um, transition because Janeway is in this movie. Yay! Yeah, she is. I know and. Uh, and boy, did she, you know, she like, what was this was three years after Voyager. And um, I guess if you get your crew home from the Delta Quadrant, you get a promotion just for the asking. Because mm. <laughs> she went straight to the you top. Get fireworks and yeah, a promotion. Know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Straight, yes. Fireworks straight off your ship into the office. Start working. That's right. That's amazing. Well, I mean, yeah, it's like, J- hey, uh, Janeway, do you want to go back out with another ship? No. Yeah. I'm on an office job now. <laughs> I'd rather stay at home, thanks. <laughs> Yep, good. Good on the exploration part. We're good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> too many weird things could happen. <laughs> you can go download the information oh. on the ship, and uh, I'll stay here. <laughs> oh man, I uh, I do love some Janeway. I'm mega excited uh, for upcoming Prodigy. Oh, yes. What a great what a great time it is to be a fan right now. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait for Prodigy. I love Janeway. She's my favorite. That's how I'm gonna indoctrinate my daughter. I'm gonna sit her down and play oh, yeah. Prodigy. Yes. Straight up. Exactly. There you go. That's how, and then, you know, that leads naturally into Lower Decks, obviously. Uh, yeah. After a few years. <laughs> Na- yeah, naturally. I think that uh, the animated series <laughs> is probably more appropriate than, yeah. than Lower Decks. But That's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah. It's good to have a friend like you, Jim. <laughs> Speaking of uh, friends, the wedding scene. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, I love the wedding scene. I love this. That yeah, it was scene. it was the closure that everyone needed. You know, we, we just wanted those two to get together and they finally settled down, tied the knot. Um, we had oh, Data singing. We had Drunk Wharf. Um, Guinan was there. <laughs> and Wesley's in there Wesley too. Wesley was yeah, there. Guinan, Wes. Wesley didn't get yeah. even a close-up, so I was very disappointed. He was just at the edge of the table in mm-hmm. two shots. Very disappointed, poor <laughs> Wesley. <laughs> they should have been like, hey, Wesley, what are you doing here? Well, after all my travels with the traveler. Yeah, right. <laughs> womp, womp. <laughs> well, hey, Wesley. Yeah, I've been out traveling the galaxy, discovering things you can't even comprehend. But, you know, yeah. but the champagne thanks, is nice. Thanks, I'll be a lieutenant now. Yeah. <laughs> Janeway gets an admiralty. I discovered godlike powers of the universe, and I'm a lieutenant. All I got was this t-shirt. <laughs> All I got was this dress uniform. Speaking of those dress uniforms, though, they finally got them right. Oh, they're beautiful. Yeah, they look good. Yeah, they're gorgeous. They're gorgeous. Notoriously hard to cosplay, uh, mm. but uh, um, yeah, I was. A, I'm a big fan of the wedding scene. Um, like you said, uh, Linda, it just brings us a note, and we get a good payoff on that. Um, if you if you watch Picard, that comes home real well. Mm. Yes, yeah, um, and it was it was so like, I think we did we know it was the last movie. Yeah, we we knew it was going to be the last TNG movie, didn't we? Um, 
Oh, I'm, I'm not sure if we knew yet because did we not? like they thought it was going to make money, well, but it did not make money. <laughs> I was going to say, was it planned to be the last? Or I think were, the, were they just making movies until eventually no, flopped? No, I think the tagline, yeah. wasn't there a tagline, you know, the the final journey or something like that? Mm. Could be. Let me see. Um, but it was lovely just here. to tie up um, the Troy and Riker uh, romance and mm. just the, you could tell that Jonathan Frakes and especially Marina were just you know they were feeling that emotion you could tell it was lovely L- bit of a lump in my throat actually thinking back <laughs> uh, the, their relationship has grown to be one of the better things um, uh, just in the lore overall uh, but speaking of, of uh, Jonathan Frakes um, I think that is and, and this is one of the this is one of the things that the biggest critics you know kind of lay at the feet of this is that had he been the director yeah. Uh, we probably would have gotten, um, and you know, we got a good film, but we would have probably gotten a great Star Trek film yeah. if Frakes uh, had directed that because he could have gotten, I think he could have probably pulled so much more out of uh, Hardy and uh, Sir, Sir Pat to uh, get that even, you know, to add some flavor and deliciousness to what was already there. Mm-hmm. Uh, because <clears throat> talk about two guys with chops, you know, uh, those two actors have got the goods, uh, and even Hardy at such a, a young. Uh, I don't know if it was his, you know, one of his, it's got to be one of his first uh, big roles, uh, mm. maybe if not the first biggest role. Uh, but, you know, all, obviously real good talent already there. Um, but yeah, that's one of the, I think that's one of our missed opportunities in Star Trek. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I'm sure he had some, some passes of the script and yeah, he probably had some ideas bubbling, but I don't know. Yeah, it just went to different hands. Yeah, I don't know what the backstory is behind that, but like, especially considering Riker, and I, considering I just rewatched this, I now remember it, but usually I, f- I completely forget that he has like a fight with the Viceroy. Um, mm. Jonathan Frakes and Ron Perlman fight it out in like the, the lower decks. And like, I completely forget about all of that every time. Um, but yeah, it's like you got Jonathan Frakes rolling around fighting someone, and then he kicks the Viceroy into the abyss. Which mm. uh, starts off the uh, kicking people into the abyss tradition that, that now exists in Star Trek. The, yeah, the, the well, he uh, he set his kicks to kill, you know. This guy's yeah. fist set to stun and his kick set to kill, you know. But yeah, it, it could have been interesting to have Jonathan Frakes directing. Maybe we would have gotten a bit more of, um, uh, you know, the Cardassian torture scene with Picard kind of vibe. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Oh yeah, two two great actors playing strong off each other. That's that's for sure. Um, but you know, I I've enjoyed I've enjoyed this movie. Um, had the good fortune uh, to still be working in uh, a movie theater uh, at the time that this was released, um, and so I I got to see it you know ahead of everyone, uh, and it you know even then uh, I remember thinking. I like this and I felt like it was better than insurrection, which, uh, in contemporary, uh, uh, to insurrection, I thought, wow, what a really great two part episode of the next generation. Yeah. <laughs> um, th- that's how it played for me for years until, you know, like I said, nostalgia or hindsight, uh, I've rewatched it a couple times since. And, um, it's actually a better film than I gave it credit for, but the special effects still don't work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. Um, we were talking about the interrogation. I I didn't like Data's little interrogation of B four. I just I didn't like how Data went um, interrogatey. <laughs> you know, he's like, "What do you know of the Romulans? Nothing. I don't know anything." 
brother. You know, <laughs> please, what are you doing? Poor <laughs> I didn't like that. Uh, well, you know, Data's is um, justifiably uh, jaded against his brothers. Yeah. Uh, you know, he hasn't run into any good, anything good out of them yet. Yeah. No, that's well, true. I mean, Data's freaking scary. There's this episode where, oh, God. You know the guy from the past that pretends he's from the future in TNG? Yes. And he's stealing yes. shit. There's a scene where Data tells him, like, uh, you have to get off your shuttle and come out. And the guy says, yeah. and then he very calmly just, like, he just says it matter-of-factly. He goes, if you if you don't get off the shuttle, I'm going to rip your arm off. Something to that effect. <laughs> he doesn't use those exact words. And you just kind of blink and then look at Data. And you're like, he's very terrifying sometimes. Because sometimes, you know, he's got no emotions, basically. But yeah. sometimes you feel like he turns off the, um, I don't know, yeah. the empathy off. Yeah, but... And he's just like, I'm going to be full Data now. You also, though, you also kind of think, oh, he's getting very good at imitating humans. You know, like, he's obviously watched some <laughs> some detective movie the night before, and he's he knows how to, how to you know, talk to people, but... Shake somebody down. Yeah, yeah. You just, I, I, I kind of would, would hope that he's doing the imitating there and not actually being so cold and... And, and evil. Oh, you think that, yeah. yeah it's just better to think that than that's the <laughs> yeah. actual data. But then that's, exactly. a, that, I, I give credit to Brent Spiner's performance because not for one second do I see Brent Spiner twice. Yeah. Weirdly, I really do see data and I really do see before. Yeah. But yeah. before feels so, um, like, I don't know, he's so genuine. He's so, like, naive and innocent and, and um, he feels very childlike. So yeah. the interrogation is a bit jarring because yeah. it, it's really like, you know... Feels like you're beating up on a kid. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Kind of. And Brent Spiner's just sitting there, no, I don't know. Oh, my God. For Brent Spiner, too, uh, let's talk about uh, what a, what an absolute gem of an actor that man yeah. is um, all through his role as Data. One, he sell you know, as, as we watch Data progress through the seasons of The Next Generation, um, there's so much nuance that builds in that character over those seasons. Uh, but ju- just episodes like Masks and yeah. uh, A Fistful of Datas and uh, where he played, what, 15 versions of his own ancestry yeah. <laughs> in that one episode where he learns to dream. And, um, and then, you know, the multiple instances of his own android self. Just incredible uh range in one actor ostensibly in one character um always a treat to get to see uh brent put on a show yeah he's he's amazing he's so amazing and he's a lovely guy if you ever meet him Uh, i've I've yet to get to meet him but i hope to someday because data's big big stuff to me yeah i mean he's always taking the piss out of everyone on um on twitter it's it's hilarious it's hilarious. Totally. Yeah, he had a little. He had a little web show um, a few years ago. Um, Fresh Hell. You should. You should check out a few episodes because there are some guest stars. There's one. Uh, Lavar guest stars in one of them, and it's just like, come on, you gotta, gotta lend me some money. He's like, don't, just don't ask me. <laughs> ask Patrick. No, I don't. You know, it's just, it's, it's so good. It's so good. They, uh, it was Lavar's birthday a couple days ago, uh, and uh, they were having they were having some fun with each other on Twitter. Mm-hmm. That that was like you know, uh, Brent was basically like happy birthday to my brother, even though mom loved you more. <laughs> <laughs> it is just you know just to see the two of uh, see that relationship in real life is is heartwarming. Yeah. But um, the relationship they built uh, in that show was uh, was next level. Uh, but but before, yeah, um, I, I wasn't really satisfied 
uh, with it. Although, in the end, spoiler alert, when he starts humming Blue Skies, it got me. Mm, it did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Still does. And, and actually, the you know, the opening scene of Picard was just continuing uh, the last uh. notes of uh, Nemesis. And it's just, yeah, I love that. Mm. The opening scene of Picard was my favorite scene of Picard. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think episode one of Picard is, it, it came out really strong. Like, Picard came out at the gate really, really strong. And usually Star Trek shows have, have difficulty with those first episodes, I find. But mm-hmm. um, one thing I learned is that, you know, uh, Picard was premiered with the first three episodes cut together. Mm. Um, and I feel like that we should have that opportunity without credits and interruptions and be able to watch those three because uh, that would make a pretty solid, <clears throat> you know, movie. Mm. Uh, uh, and uh, when you because that's what you know the first episode and then you you feel like you're kind of in a lull because they're you know you're in the third you're in the second act of a three act play you're surrounded by content <laughs> creators you, just ask anyone we can yeah. all cut it together for you oh man we'll fix it right we'll make it work and <laughs> skip intro um, you'll be but yeah I think that would be a, I think that would be a great a great uh, experience uh, but you know problem with or one of the things with Picard that kind of caught me off was that we it felt like we had to rush to the end you know mm-hmm. and then the ending was oh so incredibly gut punchy uh but again with data um but yeah it, it, it kicked off really well and it built right off of um you know as you said uh earlier Sean we don't get diplomacy we get like right down to it with Picard this time around and you know that is built up Uh, you can kind of feel that having built up over the years leading up to um, his position in Picard where he's left Starfleet because he's so frustrated with having to put up with the bullshit yeah (laughs) well yeah so many so many bad morals later you kind of get over it right (laughs) Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. These ideals that I try to live up to, but none of my bosses seem to implement. God damn it! Right. Well, and where he learned, he learned the uh, he learned the valuable lesson of all good admiralty, uh, especially you know Commodore Matt Decker, in that um, you can't con- you can't continue to make a difference in the admiralty if you if you get off the ship. You have to be on the ship. You have to be out there doing things, helping people, bringing Romulans to refuge, um, you know, despite the despite their government's efforts to keep that from happening. Um, if you haven't, Picard, uh, Last Best Hope is a good is a good read, um, to, especially if you like Nemesis and you like Picard. <laughs> it's a great it's a great gap filler. I don't I don't really read the trick books, to be honest. No, neither do I. Feel, I. I feel like I don't know. I, I'm. I, I sound really horrible when I say this, but I feel like considering they're not canon, I don't really want to invest time in them. Does yeah. that make sense? No, I'm the same. I'm it the same. Does. And I also think if you know, if they if you're missing some details from the, the series and then a book comes out to fill in the gap, I think that's kind of cheating. <laughs> like yes. do they want do they want <laughs> us do they want us to know these facts or not? You know, some of us don't read the books. We don't have time. I haven't read a book for about seven years because I'm a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. Um, <laughs> I've only read kids' books. So. Funny how that works yeah. out. Wife on the um, Tube has been working through Pride and Prejudice for like, uh, well, two and a half years now. Maybe it's two and a half. That's it. So. <laughs> Funny, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Linda, I will, I, will, I will agree with you wholeheartedly. The story you tell me should not mm. require or depend on in any way. Yeah. 
ancillary media. It, those those should be that word. They should be ancillary. They should be complementary. Mm-hmm. They should be um, expanded lore, um, and and that's kind of where. Uh, first of all, I you know I say read, and that means audible. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, you know these have all I, I've I've listened to um, the Enterprise War uh, as one of the discovery novels, um, and I have uh, the Janeway autobiography, and I have uh, Picard. Um, or, and, and I have read one physical Star Trek novel mm-hmm. when I was young, uh, My Enemy and My Ally by Diane Duane. Uh, and uh, I liked it. But, uh, and it involved Romulans. Uh, mm-hmm. So it all ties together. Uh, but I'm with you. Those books, um, you know, they, they aren't canon mm-hmm. until some of, those, uh, some of those bits become canon. Um, and that's the same why I haven't invested my time too much into them because it's something that I would learn then have to forget if it changed, right? Mm-hmm. And then be confused about, uh, and then I'll be one of those bitter old, you know, <laughs> gray bearded dudes on internet mad about Star Trek. So, um, but they, these have like, obviously the autobiography of Catherine Janeway is not going to, um, be a story that has a huge impact or, uh, one way or the other on quote canon. Uh, and it is, it is some good pulp filler, right? It's a good, I mean, yeah. not to discredit, uh, Una's work, but, um, you know, it's, it's one of those, uh, where none of that information is going to overload. It's something good to listen to. Um, and also it's narrated by, uh, uh, Kate Mulgrew. <laughs> so, <laughs> Big reasons to get in on that one. Yeah, I know, yeah. right? <laughs> can, I, can I also drop in about a short short treks as well? Because there there is an episode of short treks, Children of Mars, which directly leads into Picard, and mm-hmm. I've never seen it, and it's not available to me. I'd have to go and buy the Picard Blu-ray set to to see it, which makes no sense. If it's important, oh, that's a shame. I, I, I can see it, and I bought because I bought, I buy the Blu-rays, um, and then I I do giveaways on Twitter. Uh, sorry, I do giveaways on YouTube. But of course, like what I buy, they're not, they're region blocked. Mm. So, yep. you know, I can only give them to basically North America. Um, but I complain about it in my video. I was like, God damn it. They released this short tricks pack. And of the 10 short tricks, there were only nine because yeah. friggin' children of Mars. Yeah. Anyway, you're not losing much. Oh, they artificially know. cut it out of the... Yeah, it, and, they and cut and it out like, because they, they're selling oh, it with mm-hmm. the Picard. So now I have Rude. the Picard Blu-ray that yeah. I'll be giving away. Again, region blocked. Um, but um, yeah, so the Children of Mars is on, and it's like you. you yeah, put and it's all it's of, it's left in uh, a kind of a limbo. Like it's you know we we saw all the Discovery <clears throat> short treks. We're missing a bunch of other short treks from um, season two of short treks. We didn't see any of those, and you know when they announced short treks at the start, they said oh, these are not going to be important to anything. They're just standalone, and of course they were lying because <laughs> nearly nearly every <laughs> short trek. <laughs> Got a tie-in. Mr. Fat Cat Paramount's uh, over there counting his bills. The only one that doesn't tie in technically is Calypso at this point, I think, because it's so Ooh. far off in like the distant future. Yeah, but there's a lot of little things that come up from Callisto. Oh, actually, yeah, because the, yeah. Yeah, the no, it's, it has tied in now. Yeah, it, uh-huh. it has. Yeah. And he's from Liars. the... Liars. Yeah, he mentions the planet the craft is heading to and... Oh, my God, that's right. Liars. Yeah. It's Liars. Well, and, 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 and I, that disappoints me because um, they should, one, you're right, they shouldn't be 
integral to they should be ancillary they should add to the fact like you know if you didn't see uh the lead in to discovery season two you had really no idea who poe was uh when she shows up and then the previously on discovery are bits from the short trek that some folks might not have seen um and and you know that short trek was fun but it shouldn't have you shouldn't have depended on that to get you to where it Mm -hmm. was um, and then, um, so to give a good example is, for example, Saru's backstory. Yeah, I think yeah. the Saru yeah, backstory exactly. short tricks <clears throat> is very well handled because it gives you a glimpse of like as to what his life was, etc., um, with his sister. And but they still take the time, like you know, his his sister isn't just randomly pops mm-hmm. out of nowhere in the season, right? Like they still take right. the time to explain what's going on. Yeah, but what I what I would say is hopefully Paramount Plus solves yes. that. Um, problem for us now that we should have uh, unified somewhat worldwide distribution day and date uh, with our uh, UK friends so that we don't I'm so sorry Linda and Irish friends uh, rest of the world <laughs> uh, friends the whole rest of the world yeah rest of the world friends yeah fair fair absolutely <laughs> fair um, and you know because shit man with lower decks you you literally had to cry yourself to sleep at night to avoid spoilers yeah yeah, that was a long few months, all right. How and and I, I, I didn't. Were, were they unavoidable? unavoidable they were all, do you know or? what? I muted all the hashtags. I muted every single hashtag and word to do, to do with Lower Decks. And people are people. And they just screenshot the episode and present it without comment. And you're like, yeah, thanks for that. Thank you. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I'm looking at you other YouTube trickies. I love you guys, but you can't use the final shot of an episode as your freaking <sighs> thumbnail. All right? Yes. Rude. I'm sorry, yeah, but th- yeah. it's. I know that we're in an age where it's like you have access to the episode straight away, but you're watching it at bloody midnight when it comes out in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, that's like, unfair. Not even like without even taking and into consideration that it's going to come out in yeah. months' time in the rest but, of the world. But Canada even, only sees it three hours later. Even in anyway. general, though, it's not. It's not good to put a, the, the last bit of some. Yes. Like I haven't. I've yeah. never seen The Sopranos or, you know, any. Any, I've never right. seen Game of Thrones, but there's no way I can watch that now because, you know, I just think it's not cool. It is not cool to spoil anything. <laughs> uh, hopefully Paramount Plus say, uh, solves the problem and we'll all have Paramount Plus. So that Plus the fandom can unify. We can all watch yeah. everything, yeah. all of the Star Treks and all of the Short Treks. Hopefully, like, all of the different cuts as well. Give me the director's cuts and the theatrical cuts. Make Let me choose as well. Mm. I want to be able to, like, I want all 15 versions the, of the motion picture, please. I want the original series and like remastered and original version as well. I want to be able to toggle mm-hmm. between that. Mm. Anyway, listen to the fans. Listen to the fans. Uh, also, <coughs> DS9 and HD. Oh, I'm sorry. That- <laughs> One more little, um, I suppose, uh, angry comment about, and I don't mean to diss uh, the uh, the extended universe creators out there, the people that write the books and the comics and all of that. But in uh, in uh, d- kind of Nemesis's defense, I feel like that for years and years. People criticize the whole before aspect and how he uh, whistled the the data thing, and I feel like a lot of people took away from that. Oh, um, it's because basically data transferred his memory into before. Before is going to become data, and the comic books ran with that for a while. They like mm-hmm. they basically they just over over um, overwrote before entirely, put data in his body, and then made him captain of the Enterprise. And people mm-hmm. basically assumed that was, you know, that's the future. That's what's happening. I hate that so much. 
I yes. hate the fact, like, I feel like Data would never do that to B4. That's not in his personality. No, to to, uh, to subsume exactly, someone else. Right, to take his brother's yeah. body. and No, he would much prefer to mm. let his brother live out his life, uh, even if it isn't uh, as, you know, fulfilled or as accomplished as, as his own. Well, uh, especially too with uh, even with the memory of having been uh, having been you know manipulated and abused by lore through mm. the emotion, um, you know, yeah, he would probably be super reluctant mm. to do that to somebody else. Yeah, and I feel like these are all things that people read into Nemesis, but that were never in Nemesis. Like Nemesis just mm -hmm. opened a door. Nemesis had B four do the whistle. Um, and it, it reminds you of Data, and so you're like, okay, so Data transferred his memory, but what does that mean? And the door was open, and that's it. And I feel like Nemesis got a lot of shit for that, but um, mm. Nemesis didn't didn't give you the answers. No. I suppose. Well, in that and situation. to your point, uh, that they, you know, how they ran with the Data aspect of of the rewrite, um, that literally is the you know data is in charge of the enterprise uh in the countdown comic to trek 20 uh 2009 mm -hmm. um you know that's the story that gets like how spot gets to the hobus yeah supernova is with data in command of the enterprise so <laughs> it kind of leads you know and that was semi-canonical until it wasn't um you know and and you know that's kind of uh but but that again that's you know, if you want to fill your if you want to fill your uh, fill your gaps with that, you can. Yeah. If not, use your imagination, yeah. or you know, just take what just take the canon that's on screen. What take the pieces that you enjoy, yeah. um, and that's why you know we can have these discussions about a film like Nemesis, where we feel like we might be um, the outliers in the fandom for this particular film, but it is something that we've all three enjoyed, and we've had an enjoyable conversation about it, right? I don't feel bad. <laughs> I would feel bad maybe trying to defend the, the under, um, not the Underscored Country, sorry, the um, the Final Frontier, maybe. <laughs> I don't feel, I've, or, or, or Into Darkness. I can't defend Into Darkness, but I can defend, I can defend Nemesis. I'm fine with that. You know, speaking of a film that could be saved with like three changes of dialogue. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's that's you a know, whole other podcast. Ah, that's something we should <laughs> we should do that, y'all. We should do like quick overdubs. Hey, okay, three changes of dialogue and one and one uh, clothes changing scene that we could do without, and that's actually. I was gonna say drop movie. drop the scene, right? <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I mean, oh, I was disgusted with it at the time it happened. I was like, really, guys, mm -hmm. Aren't, isn't this what we're not doing anymore? <laughs> but whatever. Um, I mean, it played into the trope of Kirk as whatever, yeah. uh, but at the same time, you know. Um, I've had a really great time talking with you guys about Nemesis. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's rare that we get to actually, you know, talk about good things because the internet is full of, God, who hated this? Yeah, me, I hated that. You know, yeah, let's just talk about nice things. <laughs> it's all right to like things. It is all right to like things. Yeah, you always have to defend things too now. It's always a fight online, right? It's yeah. like, I'm, I'm, I'm over these fights. You know what? I ad admittedly, I was one of the people that were fighting, you know, this side or that side at, at a time. But I'm over it. I'm, I'm over it now. I just tweet the funniest thing I can come up with, or sing a song. You know what? And you know, I've taken to not engaging. If you come along with a negative comment on something that I was obviously trying to be positive about, mm -hmm. I just ignore oh, it. Oh yeah. Like I don't even. I just scroll on by because, um, you know, Go back to one, especially. 
Yeah, go back to Remus. Um, you know, and, and, and this isn't to you know, discourage new folks from scrolling my timeline because everyone's welcome to follow me. We'll sort the details later. Uh, but if you're just some rando drive-by and you come in with negativity, yeah. I'm like, I got no time for this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm here to I'm here to have a good time. And um, uh, one thing, you know, there, there are, hmm, I would say, perhaps a dozen uh, maybe a dozen overall hours of Star Trek uh, through its 800 plus uh, hours of content that um, I skip, you know, Code of Honor, Up the Long Ladder, several episodes of the original suit like Miri and um, what little girls are made of, man, creepy stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but overall, you know, uh, I can find something to enjoy in all of it, even the final frontier. That's fair. Yeah, I have to do a. I have to do one of these. Uh, you know, we did a Star Trek Nemesis extravaganza today. I have to do like something else for like uh, the Final Frontier. Get some because I know there are people out there that just love it and that will defend it with. I will. Lives. I will be on that show. No, I will defend go. Final Frontier. And I, I know Jesse. Uh, Jesse Jinder loves um, Enterprise, <coughs> so I got. Uh, I got to do a discussion about Enterprise. What's not to love? <laughs> what is not to love? Enterprise is. Yeah, it has problems, but I, I'm a fan of Enterprise. All right. That, uh, that about wraps it up, unless you guys have any like final comments about Nemesis. Uh, I just want to draw attention one more time to the beautiful special effects and yes. the, that battle choreography that just, mm, ah, it's so good. Um, uh, the crash. The, we need, we didn't things. even mention the crash. The, the ramming, the ship ramming. Yeah. Uh, perfect technique. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a great, great, great scene, great scene. And uh, and a uh, you know and a and a, and a uh, mirrored in the opening of Trek 09 with the Kelvin ramming the Narada. I mean, that's it's like uh, poetry; it rhymes. You know, there's a beginning <laughs> and an end. Um, but uh, uh, one of the things that always stands out to me about <clears throat> like First Contact is that blending of uh, CG and practical uh, effects. And it hasn't; it doesn't look that good again until Nemesis to me. I think the shuttles don't look as... Like, in my rewatch yesterday, I noticed that the shuttles didn't look as good as the ships, like, from the, the final battle. But I think it's probably because just the way you make a movie is you're going you're gonna to invest more money in that big, you know, climactic battle sequence, I suppose, than, than you are in um, Picard and the shuttle in the hallway. Mm-hmm. That makes more sense. But, yeah, it, it is a beautiful, beautiful film. Linda? I just wanted to add um, something about those little shuttles that they did have. Originally, they had made them um, covered in the same kind of material that the uniform was made out of, the lovely petroly kind of one, but they decided it didn't look menacing enough, so they got rid of that and uh-huh. made them stealthier. Yeah. So uh, thank you, Linda, for being with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Dan, for joining us. Absolute pleasure. It was a pleasure having both of you on. Thank you for listening, everyone. Live long and prosper. Stay safe. You can check out these uh, wonderful people on the Twitters and on the YouTubes and everything. I'll put the links in the description. And uh, live long and prosper. See ya.